Thank you, Adam, Alessandra, and Kevin, the band. That was awesome, guys. Speaking of turning cold into warmth, Marco, Brag Creek's getting warmer, right? So they were minus one, we were minus 20 this morning, so it's coming. It's coming. Can you believe it? I can't. So good morning, my name's Trevor. Can you also believe that like, we're like into our second week of the 2022 year? I'm sure your resolutions are going as well as mine. In fact, I heard a wonderful blessing. She said, I hope your troubles last as long as your New Year's resolutions. I'm like, oh, that was, oh, that shouldn't fill me with comfort, but it did. I hope it does for you as well. Part of the process of Friends Church is thanking you for actually committing. So for those of us who sometimes there's resolutions worth keeping and donating to Friends on a regular basis. Can I also ask you in the second week of a new year to maybe use this as an opportunity to take stock and say, hmm, would I like to regularly contribute to Friends? Because as Jeff mentioned, one of the things that we're really looking for this year is if Friends Church feels like home to you, then we, and I say we, are responsible for sort of keeping this home running. And if you're one of the regular givers, that really helps from budgeting, from lots of perspectives, to make sure our programs are going and we're having a great time. I'm hoping we all have party plans this afternoon because I gotta tell you, like two degrees, I've been telling people, I think it's gonna be like t-shirts and shorts weather this afternoon and I'm really looking forward to it. So have a great morning of friends. Thanks for being here and for watching us online and have a great morning. Vince? Thanks, Trevor. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to be at Bragg Creek this afternoon if anyone has a snow bike and wants to come play. Put up your hand. Isn't it kind of fun? I feel like I've won the lottery. I currently don't have COVID that I know about, and currently none of you all do either. Doesn't it feel like we won the lottery today? I love it. The number of people getting taken out is crazy. Okay. There's a story from our spiritual tradition. It's an old story. It's probably 700 years before the Jesus stories. That's when it was first written down, and it probably happened many years before that. Not happened. It was told. And it's a story on top of a mountain. I don't know about you, but I always picture the mountains in winter. Beautiful snow, it's just so pure. Everything is white and gorgeous. The sun just is the brightest thing ever. And the character's name is Elijah. He's up on this mountain looking for something more. I use the word more here to talk about something, a broad concept, the divine, spirituality. In this tradition, more is, we use the word anthropomorphized. It's a pretty good word, huh? It basically means you take something and you assign human characteristics to it. So when your dog perks up its ears and you say, oh, it's happy to see me, you've anthropomorphized the dog. He's just hungry and he thinks you're the food train. So in our tradition, especially this early, all the, the more, the divine was always anthropomorphized. You see it through all the Greek stories, right? The gods up in the heavens, they're doing crazy stuff. That characteristic of God is here in this story. And Elijah's there to meet the more God. And the story says he's sitting up there and this massive windstorm goes through. It actually says the wind tore the rocks apart. 
It's a pretty solid windstorm. For all you all who've been on top of mountains and I'm pointing at one that I know has been up there, that's a solid windstorm. I would be a little nervous. And it says, God was not in the wind. And then the whole mountain started to shake. Man, I've never been on a mountain during an earthquake. I don't ever want to be on a mountain during an earthquake. But the everything that he sought was solid. His entire foundation was shaking. The whole thing is rocking, and it says, God was not in the earthquake. And then there was silence. And I don't think it's this kind of silence. I think it's the silence after you just about died silence. That silence that is so full and so pregnant with meaning. He says, in the silence, he heard the smallest whisper of God. I don't know about you, but I'm on this journey because I want more of that. More of the sense of the divine. More of more. And I don't know about you too, but I don't, well actually I am on top of mountains quite regularly, um, but not in those conditions. Growing up, when I heard this story, it was taught to me this way. This is a story about God and how to conceive of God. You need to conceive of God as first he, and having a whispering voice, and having anthropomorphic characteristics. And sometimes that was beautiful, and it felt like the divine was so close, but other times it felt so restrictive, and kind of like, but it doesn't work. But that's when, and I'm gonna use a second big word today, so we got anthropomorphized, there will be a test after this, anthropomorphized. The second one is hermeneutic. Hermeneutic is my area of expertise, <laughs> so I'm going to use that word. That cost me a lot of money to learn that word, so I'm going to use it whenever I can, folks. Hermeneutic is basically what questions you ask of a text. And if the hermeneutic we, hermeneutic we use on this story is, what does this story tell us about God? We have to deal with all those conceptions of God, but... And this is where I want to take us today to side, to get around all that pain and suffering. What if we ask the question, what does this story tell us about us? What is the story about not seeing the, the divine in these massive storms, in these craziness, but seeing it in silence? What does that tell us about our lives? Again, most of us don't spend time on top of stormy mountains, but what about emotional storms? You're all sitting here looking at me wearing masks. We're two years into a pandemic. I don't know that I've ever had sustained stress like this before. We deal with questions of, am I sick, am I not sick? Do I need to quarantine? Do I not need to quarantine? If I go out, am I going to hurt somebody else? Am I not going to hurt anybody else? And if I quarantine, how is this all going to work? The number of permutations I have in my head. So my job is to run this service. 
the number of permutations I have in my head of what happens if, hey, Kevin, can you give me a wave? That's Kevin back there. He's running the stream side. So everything that anyone who's not here sees, that's running through Kevin's hands. Very skilled person. What if this morning he woke up with a snuffy nose? Oh, geez. Now what do I do? Okay, well, I can kind of run stream. I'm a little bit like this at it. They're very good at it. I can probably get image to show up. But what happens if he's sick and I have to preach? Isn't this our lives these days? If this happens, who's going to take care of my kids? How am I going to get my job done? What happens over here? Am I going to be hospitalized? Am I going to be okay? Is this getting worse? Is this not getting worse? Emotional storms? Hells yes. And that's on top of the regular emotional storms. Like, how's my relationships going? How's my health? How's everything else? How's my retirement plan? I don't know. Does anyone worry about that? I probably should worry about that more, but... The emotional storms right now are significant. More significant than I think we've ever experienced. And you can feel it as we even sit here and go, yeah, this... And if my first story is true, that we find the sense of the divine in the silence. What do you do in the middle of this storm? What do we do? There's this idea that says, <laughs> I don't even know who coined this, but there's no atheist in a foxhole. The idea is that when all hell's breaking loose, everyone reaches out to the supernatural and says, if there's anything up there, please come save my butt. And we think about that as like the most extreme storms, but I think the first story says, that's the exception, not the rule. The more common way to experience something more, I don't know about you, what happens in the silence of a walk in the park nature all around me. This morning I drove to work just as the sun was coming up. The moment in our houses where everything's quiet. The profound silence of our sacred spaces. You go into a cathedral and the silence in there feels like there's something more going on. If this story is telling us something about our lives, the question I think we all want to ask is, how do we get more silence? How do we get more silence in the middle of a freaking pandemic? Because we want something more. I was talking about this idea with somebody, and she told me this amazing story, and I was like, hold on, would you mind coming and sharing that story with everybody? And graciously, she said she'd come up. So I want to give a big round of applause for Lori Campbell. Hey, Lori. Hello. Good to see you. 
Good to see you. Thanks for willing, willing to do this. Lori just joined our coaching team. So basically, when my message doesn't suck, if my message doesn't suck, often it's her and her team that make it that way. So you can thank her for that later. That's generous. <laughs> Good morning. So, morning. <sighs> okay, I'm going to fast forward us all into your story. They don't know you, but we're just going to, this is Lori, everybody. Now you know her. Good morning. These are fantastic people. There's a camera there. You were telling me a story of this Christmas. Just before Christmas, something shifted. You applied for a job. Yes. And they asked you to do, it was the weirdest thing. You told me and I thought, they asked you for what? What did they ask you for as part of the interview? Right. So one stage of the interview was actually selecting a video of a well-known speaker and emulating. So emulating the delivery, um, the energy, the tone, the pace, etc. But doing that video myself and sending it back as part of the process. And who did you pick to emulate? Tony Robbins. <laughs> <laughs> like, clap my hands, big head Tony Robbins? That guy? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so tell me the day they assigned you this moment. Yeah, they, I believe it was a Monday that they assigned it for the following Monday, Monday or Tuesday. So but the fully. Monday was just before Christmas. Monday. It was that, yes. So yes. you have an assignment <laughs> to emulate Tony Robbins on <laughs> video. Uh, yes. And did you, like, they gave you the assignment, did you do it right away? Uh, of course not. What? No. <laughs> no, I did not. I put it probably on every day until the very last day, and uh, did not do it until so the very last So you finally shot day. it the very last. So all Christmas, you have this big <laughs> task that you need to do. <laughs> yes. What was Christmas like this year? Yeah, Christmas was great, but the feeling from, from that... Um, I can feel it right now, to be honest. Where do you so feel it? It's, it's a feeling of angst, of nagging, of this subconscious lingering, I need to do, I know I need to do it, why aren't I doing it? Go away. It's not going to go away <laughs> until I do it. Um, so when I say emotional storm, there, there's some yeah, resonance there? Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Yeah. Yep. So let's fast forward. You've gone through Christmas. You're having a great Christmas, but in the back of your head, there's your voice saying, Chirping. come on, yes. get it done. Yes. So that morning, which morning did you finally shoot it? The it Monday? Was, it was a Monday morning, 6.30 a.m. 6.30 a.m. you decided to finally shoot it. <laughs> Folks, I would have been 6.30 a.m. Tuesday, so no judgment here. Yeah, a bit of a sweaty sleep night, you know, restless. <laughs> Not a whole lot of sleep. Right. How long was Tension. the video? One minute video. One minute. Yeah. So all of Christmas, you have a one-minute video that's just hanging over your head. That's right. The whole time. Yes. And you didn't do it till the very last minute. Correct. Then tell me, what did it feel like when you finally handed that bloody video in? <sighs> Relief. Total <sighs> lightness, peace, freedom. Yeah, complete relief. Wow. Yeah, and space and capacity and open again, yeah. What do you think your Christmas would have been like if you could have shot that before Christmas? Yeah, a whole lot less distracted. <laughs> uh, no nagging feelings in the background. Anyone have uh, similar memories of things, things outstanding, things we haven't done? Thank you. Mm, I appreciate it. Come pleasure. on up. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Oh, I loved her story and her open limbic system in telling that story. Isn't that how we feel? We have these things that are unfinished, these emotional storms. For me, it's things like, I need to talk to my partner about something painful, 
There's something at work I need to do and I don't want to do it. We have these things that are unfinished. We can feel the weight of them. The pandemic piece, often we can't do, well, actually, that's not true. (laughs) How many of us have had the sniffles and waited to get tested because we weren't sure if we wanted to know the answer? I don't know if I get this. What do I do? Maybe it'll go away. Oftentimes, it's the unfinished in our lives that creates the emotional storms. The things we know we need to do, the videos of Tony Robbins we need to shoot. What a random thing, isn't that funny? So as we go into the next part of this message, I want to ask, what unfinished thing is hanging over your head right now? What's the thing we're all procrastinating on? We can feel its weight. I'm going to tell you a second story from our spiritual tradition, but before I do, I just want to frame this message in the larger story of Friends Church. We've been talking the last couple months about a model of spirituality, a model, not the model, a model. And what we're doing is we're starting this whole conversation. We realized after 10, 20 years of doing this work, we realized people come to us in kind of a similar ways when they talk about their spiritual journey. And the first part of most of our spiritual journeys start with this awareness thing. We're just randomly doing things. We don't know what we're doing. We're freaking out. We're not freaking out, blah, blah, blah. We have no awareness of what we're doing. And so the first stage of our spiritual journey is to work on that part. Wait, I got triggered by this. Oh, interesting, yeah. I always get triggered by that. Second part of the model says, there's an I, Vince, you, each one of us. Who are we? What do we need? What do we want in this world? And then we realize there's people around us, and this is the crazy part. They don't want the same things we do. Never makes sense to me. How do you not want to go for a run today? I don't understand that. We realize they're different, and they want different things, and they need different things for us. And we start to do that work of, okay, here's what I want, and you're different than me, and what does she want, and oh, geez. And then we start to figure out this sense of we. Well, how do we do this together? It starts off awareness, who am I, what's going on, I don't even know what's going on, to wait, this is who I am, and they're different than me, but maybe there's a way to work together. We call this the physical we. Can you throw it up for me, um, Catrice, when you have a second? But then we can transcend that we at the bottom, we can go above that, and we start to realize that that same we that we use to figure out human relationships becomes something more. We have a sense of the we of all of us, the we of the divine. When I say more, (laughs) I shouldn't do this, but I do it all the time. I should say transcendent we, but more, I like that word a lot, really works for me. But it's a synonym for transcendent we. It's the sense that we're all in this, We all interact in some way. There's something more than just Vince the meat sack walking around life. And there's more than you. 
This isn't a proof. This is a sense. And when I say I want more of more, I want more of that transcendent self, the feeling that we're all interconnected, the feeling that there's something more, the still small voice, the transcendent. There's a story from the very beginning of the Bible. It's a poem, a creation poem. It's not meant to be literal. There was no, it's not scientific. Science won't be invented for another, let's say, two to 4,000 years. It's not written in that frame. And it starts with this character God. Again, we saw the, was, does anyone remember the fancy word where you make characteristics of God human? There we go. Gold star for Trevor. Again, the character God has been anthropomorphized to say, <laughs> they say, God is floating over the chaos. And over the next six days, chaos is ordered. It almost sounds like, you know, when you start with awareness, when you have no awareness in your life, it's just chaos. You're freaking out about whatever, blah, blah, blah. Things are, you know, you're just a fart in a windstorm. It says that the character God is floating over the chaos and orders the chaos. Six days this happens. First it starts with water and land, animals, blah, blah, blah. Finally on the seventh day, Katrice, can you throw up the quote for me? It says this. And this is just, there's many translations of the Bible. This one part's written in Hebrew. The translation I'm going to read to you guys is very word for word. So it doesn't read well in English, but I'm trying to get something very specific for you guys to see. It says this, and on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done. Again, anthropomorphic, he. On the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. Now, in Hebrew poetry, it's often done in doublets, which means you have one line, and then you have another line after it. So, doublet, two lines. Here's the thing in Hebrew poetry, though. The first line is the important part. The second line just adds kind of some color. Now, that word, seventh day, that became the word Sabbath or Shabbat. In Protestantism, we call it Sunday. And growing up, I always learned this. If I keep, just keep it up there for a while, Catrice. On the seventh day he rested, the idea was that if you work on Sabbath, if you work on Sunday, somehow that super being God, the character God, would be pissed off. I'm not sure why. Is there like, I have no clue. But if you worked on Sunday, you were in trouble. Now, my family was pretty blue collar. My dad worked, my mom took care of the house. So she cooked on Sunday but my dad didn't do upholstery on Sunday. I'm not sure how that all worked. But you see what it's doing? It's focusing on that second line. And what do we know about Hebrew poetry? You focus on the first line. And what happens in the first line? God finished the work. In this reading of Sabbath, it's not about resting. It's not resting. It's not about not working. It's about finishing the things undone. God finished 
on the Sabbath. When we listen to Lori's story, what caused the emotional storm? That bloody video that was unfinished the whole time. And if the first story has some truth about us as humans, it says that when we have these unfinished things, these storms in our lives, what happens to our connection to that more? The character God finished and then he was able to rest to have silence to experience something more oh I love that when I first read this it was a couple months ago it kind of slapped me in the face it's like wait I thought this was always about resting but maybe it's saying something about us and the unfinished things in our lives. And so let me ask you again, what is unfinished in our lives? I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Uh, I'm from the era of TV where you would turn on the TV and then whatever show you wanted to watch was scheduled for a certain time and then every week you'd see a new episode, right? Anyone from that era? Netflix has changed all of that, right? They release all of the episodes with all of the seasons in one shot, which is fantastic at the beginning. I thought, well, this, well, how did we not live this way for our whole lives? Until I did what we all do. We start the first episode of like a six-season series. There's like 300 episodes. We watched the first one. It was like, oh, that was good. It's 11 o'clock at night. I, oof. Oh, man, I'll just... Just, I'll just start the next one just to see how it goes, right? The first one was so good. The cliffhanger happened. Three o'clock in the morning, we're finally like, oh, I got to go to bed. Just think about what's going on in the difference between TV shows and a movie. The TV show is never finished. One leads to the next, leads to the next, leads to the next. A movie, you watch the two hours and it's done. You know, the heroes connect with the hero stuff. I don't know whatever happens. It's done. It's finished. You go, <sighs> can you feel the difference in flavor between the two? What things in our lives are not finished right now? Is your inbox ever finished? Is it a movie or is it a TV show? Mine's a TV show with like a hundred seasons in it. How much of our lives never finishes? I have this, <laughs> just at the beginning of the pandemic, turn on the shower one day. Actually, no, my cleaning person calls me. She's like, you got a leak. I'm like, what? Go home, shower's leaking. I take a look at it. Whoever put the shower in should be punched. They did everything wrong, like everything wrong. So of course, when you have a leaking shower in your one bedroom condo and you only have one bathroom, what do you think you should do? We decided to gut the whole half of the condo and rebuild it all, like idiots. Do you know what I've had for the last two years? An unfinished reno telling me, Vince, I'm not done. 
Every time I walk to the bathroom, I'm not done. Every time I walk by our wall in our bedroom, that's just insulation. There's not drywall on it. It's not painted. It's just a big thing of insulation saying to me, we're not done. We're not done. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to give you guys some wisdom that I learned from the video game Halo. Any video game people out there? Anyone ever have their parents and or their somebody tell them that the video games are never going to be anything valuable? Well, tell them at church this week you learned from the wisdom of video games. Okay, Halo. Uh, was it Master Sergeant? Does anyone play Halo, anyone? I'm Master Sergeant. I walk into this room and there's 10 aliens. Now, the whole game is this idea that the aliens are trying to take over the world and we are the lone person who's going to save the day. Awesome. I walk into a room, 10 aliens, what do they do? They shoot at me, I shoot at them. That's the whole game. Like, times that by a 1,000, that's the entire game. Walk in the room, 10 aliens shooting at me. So I just freak out and go like this. Ah! <laughs> and start shooting at everything that moves. And you see their little, like, their lives are slowly going down as all 10 of them are shooting at me the entire time. What do you think happens? I die. I get respond, and I do this for about two days. Walk in a room, get my butt handed to me, die, respawn, go back. They all shoot at me until one day, I'm not sure why I'm this dense that it took me this long to figure this out, but suddenly a moment, there's like a spiritual realization that's going to tie all of this stuff together. I walked into the room, and instead of walking in and freaking out and shooting at all the aliens all the time and just hoping to not die... I've been doing this for two days now. I looked at one alien. He was a bad alien. Folks, he was bad. And I finished him. You like the euphemism there? (laughs) He's an alien. He's bad. I finished him. And then what happened? I had nine aliens shooting at me, not ten. And I was like, well, wait. So then I, I focused on one more alien, and I, and I finished that one, and now I have eight aliens shooting at me. By the time I got to, like, five aliens, oh, I was killing it. Like, I was winning. For two days, I tried to shoot at all of them all the time and constantly died. But when I focused on one, suddenly things shifted. If we experience more of the more in silence, and yet we live in this world where the emotional storms are significant, if Sabbath is about finishing things, should we try and finish all of them all the time at the same time? Or is the wisdom of Halo applicable here? (laughs) Shout out to you, Mom. You told me it would never work. Totally worked. What's the one thing in your life today that if you finished that one thing, life would be significantly different? You'll know because you'll procrastinated that one. What did Lori say? I didn't do it on the first day. I didn't do it on the second day. I waited all through Christmas with my family and to the very last day at six in the morning, if I remember correctly, you had a work appointment that started at like eight and so you like snuck it in before work. 
What would her Christmas have been like if she would have finished that? Today we talk about New Year's resolutions. How many of those are hanging over us unfinished? It's the thing you don't want to do. That's the thing that probably needs to be finished. Right now what I'm doing with my Renault because I'm losing my mind, I'm breaking it up into chunks. There's a plumbing chunk. There's an electrical chunk. I've been telling my wife for like three weeks, babe, the electrical chunk's almost finished. I just have my inspection on Friday and if they don't find any problems, I'm finished. She's of course looking at the entire reno and everything open and not put together going, um, we're using the word finished here? And I'm like, yes, babe, this part's finished. I need to take down one alien. I can't have them all shooting at me anymore. I'm losing it, folks. As we step into this new year, as we try to find that connection to the transcendent we, as we, as we connect ourselves to the practices of our spiritual ancestors, the thing I'm asking myself and the thing I wanna ask you is, is Sabbath about finishing those emotional storms so that we can experience more? Is it doing that thing we need to do? I need to go to the doctor. I need to finish my taxes. I need to have that conversation. I need to get that project done. I need to empty my inbox once and for all. I need to clean my kitchen. And not like wipe down one counter and everything else is just a mess because I just need to do something. No, no, no. Finish it. So I don't have to feel that anymore. The thing I want to leave with us today is this. What thing could we finish? What thing could we have Sabbath around that would have one less alien shooting at us, one less emotional storm that would allow us to connect to something more? Because that's why I'm here to connect with that sense of more and have that change my life and change the world, make it better. And that's my prayer for each and every one of us. So this week as you go out and you think Sabbath, think finishing that thing that needs to be done so that, amen. Have a great week, everyone. See you next week. Jeff's up. It's going to be awesome.